This is PhotoBizX episode number 166, and today's interview is an experimental one. It features Ian Weldon, and I can't think of anyone better to experiment with. That interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is an experimental interview and it's also a little bit of a mix-up. In the last episode, I talked about a whole lot of things that I was going to be doing for this episode and sharing with you, and I have to put all that on hold. So the plan was to record a different style of interview, where instead of focusing purely on the business side of things, I wanted to get inside the head of the photographer, find out how they think, what makes them tick, what's going through their head when they're on a shoot, before a shoot, and a little bit about their, their philosophy and the way they just approach their art, their photography. The plan was to have this interview, this trial or this experimental interview as a bonus episode for this week, but there was a mix-up with our production and I don't have the business interview scheduled for today ready to go. So instead, Ian's going to jump the queue and we're going to try this thing today. Before I jump into the interview with Ian, the plan for these style of episodes, if you like them, if you want to hear more of them, is... They are pretty much a raw, uncut conversation. So less polished, certainly less about business, less editing, less show notes, no other segments. Just get in, have a conversation and try and get as much from the guest as possible. So that's the plan. I'm going to run with that today because I want to get your feedback and your feelings on this approach and see if it's something you'd like to hear in the future whether it's with previous guests on the show like Ian was or has been in episode 111 or if there's other photographers you'd like to hear this version of an interview with. My plan for this style of interview is that it'll be available to the free listener and the premium members in full and it'll always be available in the back catalogue as well. So this will be in addition and totally separate to the business podcast that I release each week. All right, let's jump into this and see what you think. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Something totally new today, something pretty much off the cuff. We're going to be diving into the photographer's mind rather than concentrating on the business of things. And I think we're going to be kicking things off with a great first guest, a guinea pig, if you will. And it's Ian Weldon from the UK. He was interviewed in episode 111 of the Photo Biz Exposed podcast. And since then, I've been following Ian. I feel like I've become friends with Ian. I love what he's doing and I love his approach to photography. He was included in a list not too long ago and the list was the top 100 wedding photographers in the world. Amazing. I don't know how much it means to Ian, but uh, pretty cool nonetheless. His photography, it's been labelled as innovative, creative, unique and total shit. (laughs) He's heard everything about his photography, yet he keeps coming back for more. I'm looking forward to diving into his mind and hearing how he feels about all this. Ian, welcome back. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me again, Andrew. That's great. Yeah, it has been referred to as total shit. But yeah, hey, sure what? I don't really care. So, really? Does it not bother you at all? 
No, not really. I, because you spend so long developing um, your idea of um, what it is that you're doing, and there's so many layers to it, and uh, there's so many times you adjust and you refine, and once you get to a certain point where I suppose you, you're kind of happy with your own work, what other people think about it doesn't really matter. Obviously, if people like my work, I like it, and people who hire me like my work, but then if people don't like it, then, well, I don't really care that much, and no, I mean, why should I really? And I suppose what we have to do is verify the source of the criticism as well. And when we kind of, obviously, if somebody leaves me some feedback or kind of like they did recently, I'll go and have a look at their work. And it's like, when I look at their work and I think, well, you really don't know what you're talking about. So then that doesn't affect me. It affects me even less, if that makes sense. It does. Do you consider yourself successful as a photographer now? I would consider myself um, happy as a photographer. When it comes down to success, is what is success? Um, being happy with your photography is successful enough for me. I make a living from what I do. I make quite a decent living from what I do. Uh, I'm not shooting 70 weddings a year. I haven't got three followers on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. So it all depends on how you measure success. So I would say that I'm happy with what I do. How do you measure success? I suppose being happy. Earning a living, I don't have to... Um, I'm a successful photographer in a way that supports kind of my lifestyle and my life, and I get to kind of do what I love and get paid for it. I'm not really, I'm not aiming for being the most popular photographer in the world or having millions of followers or pleasing everybody and um, having this business that's um, earning millions of pounds a year. Uh, kind of successful success for me is, as I say, earning a living from it. People seem to like what I do. Well, most people seem to like what I do. And I'm at a point where I actually like what I do. And I think to be a successful photographer, um, you really have to be comfortable with your own work and get to a point that you're happy with it. Or to a point, is there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm, for sure. I get what you're saying. and I can hear how you're defining success. And I can hear that you're comfortable and happy with where you are as a photographer. And, I mean, I just... When someone criticizes my work, it hurts. Like, does it still sting when you read those comments? Not really. I mean, it used to. I think before I understood who I was and what it is I was trying to say and what it is that I was trying to do, and before I really understood photography, and we all have that, the ego thing, and if that gets bruised a little bit, then, yeah, it does hurt, and you can react to that, and then what you do is you adjust your sights as well. And I give up doing that a long time ago. And it's being confident in your own work and confident in who you are and what it is you're trying to say. I mean, there's no great artist ever got anywhere by doing things the way that other people expected it to be done. And I'm sure there's, I can't remember who the quote was by, but if you don't create something that people hate, then nobody can love it. And it's understanding these kind of mindsets and these philosophies that surround art and photography that have really taught me to kind of let go of the ego and be confident in your work and be, I suppose, truthful in your work. I suppose if I was trying to con people in some way with what I was doing and then it was criticized, then I would kind of feel that. But from my point of view, it's a complete honesty in what I'm doing and this is how it is and I'm not, it's not contrived and it's not set up and I'm not trying to sugar the pill in any way and it's about truth and honesty and the more that I've pursued that line of thought, the less uh, any outside influences kind of changed my direction of what I'm doing. Okay. I want to ask you about what you post in just a sec, but did you just wake up one day and went, 
stuff this. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm going to start putting up what I want to shoot and I'm going to shoot the way I want to shoot. Or was this an evolution over years? Definitely an evolutionary kind of process. And it came through um, study and understanding photography and understanding photographers, understanding their motivations, why they did it, why they did what they did and kind of how they did it and uh, relating that to my work and realizing in the end that when it comes down to it, like, who cares? Well, who cares what anybody else says and why shouldn't you just do what you want to do? We only get one life, man. You know, we get one lap. And if we spend that whole time doing what everybody else expects us to do, then how are we going to feel by the end of that? Mm. You know? Yeah, no, I get it. Who's they that you're referring to when you say you're reading about what they were doing? Ah, I suppose all photographers that I like, I'm sure I've mentioned kind of like Fink and Martin Parr and photographers like uh, Winogrand, you know, it's kind of like that guy didn't give a shit about anybody. <laughs> you know? He gives a shit about his own work and what he cares about what he, is the photography. Look at people like Bruce Gilden. People hate Bruce Gilden, but also people love him. I think he's great. You know, he's a guy who's just done it how he wants to do it and stuff everybody else, man, you know. And I don't know, I couldn't go ahead and do it the way that somebody else expected me to do it because I would be kind of like, it makes no sense. It would feel a bit more like a job and then trying to please people. And really all I'm trying to do with everything is please myself. So what about clients? So you, you get booked to shoot a wedding and the clients have obviously seen your portfolio. They see the style that you're shooting. Do you feel any responsibility to them at all? Well, absolutely. I feel the responsibility I have to the client is for me to do the best that I can. And that is part of the qualifying the client and, and managing their expectations from the start because they'll see what I do. And then when I talk to them, I kind of reinforce that. And I, you've seen me work. You know what it looks like. You understand who I am. You understand kind of my approach. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you the best that I can deliver on that day. And if they're not 100% on board with that, then I can't really give them my best because I'm thinking that they might want something else. And this year, I've turned down more weddings than I actually have. Really? Yeah. Under what basis? Why are you turning them down? Because of... Like the attitude of the couple and it's kind of like, oh, everything's great. And then all of a sudden, all oh, right, well, we do have, uh, there is quite a long list of group shots. And can you make sure you photograph this? And can you make sure that, and it's like, well, okay, I need to, people need to trust me in what I do rather than kind of trying to direct me into what I do. And then the more that they direct or the more they try to direct, the more difficult it is for me to then just kind of be free to do what I do on a wedding day. And I would rather say to them, listen, I don't think it's going to work than try and fit into what they want. Yeah, okay. So you call them back or you tell them on the spot, look, I don't think this is going to work? Not really. I mean, emails, send an email and just explain that, not that it's their fault, the fact that I don't think I can give them what they want and I can kind of refer them to other photographers who have maybe a more traditional style. And it all comes down to, it is the kind of person as well. And if somebody is getting married, I don't know, they're having a really traditional kind of wedding and they want all the group shots and this is happening. And, and I can see it's a pretty much staged thing and they haven't really thought about it too much as far as the fact that we have to get married because this is what people do. Then again, they're most of the time not really the kind of people that will get on board 100% with what I do. But some people want that and that's completely fine. I'm just not going to bend what I do to fit another person's mindset or another person's idea of what wedding photography should be. Okay. I see some of the stuff that you post on Instagram and to Facebook and 
I'm curious, do you pick things to put up on social media that you know will polarize the viewer? As in, as far as the images? Yes. Are you purposely picking something you think, people are going to think this is crap. I'm going to put this up deliberately. No, everything that I put up is, it's an image that I love, that I've shot, that's a representative of what I do. I suppose everything that I put out is representative of the kind of, the way that I shoot, my ideas behind photography and my approach to photography. None of it's put out to kind of say, oh, well, let's see if people like this, because I'm just being honest and truthful with this is what I shoot, this is what my images look like. If you hire me, this is the kind of thing that you're going to get. But it certainly does polarise people, and I certainly do get the odd bit of negative feedback. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, so what? It's kind of like, it goes back to that whole thing, if you don't create something that people hate, then nobody's ever going to love it. So it's kind of, I just can't be middle of the road about it. Okay. So do do you ever, I mean, I know you've sort of covered this, but do you second guess yourself when someone says, Dude, what are you doing photographing a woman up close with a 24 millimeter lens in her face with a direct flash? Like, that's not flattering. What are you doing? Like, does that affect you? No, not really. If we look at the image in question, I think it's a great image. I love that image. It's kind of, it's full of laughter. It's full of fun. It also has the little cards that they were holding that kind of explains a little bit about what's going on and adds more of a comedy element to the image itself. And, you know, that's the way that I shoot. That's the way that I like to shoot. I'm in there, I'm up close. And, you know, if people say that they don't like it, then people don't like it. The client that went in loved that image. So... I'm not shooting for people who criticise my work. I'm shooting for people who like what I do. Okay, so if you do get criticism, say, for that particular shot, do you go back and look at it again with a different eye or you've already moved on, you're off to, you're shooting the next wedding, the next scene? Yeah, absolutely. I've completely moved on from it. So I get the impression then, and I don't know if this is true or not, that you wouldn't follow any, I guess, current photographers that are in fashion. No. And take inspiration from them. Absolutely not. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. It's kind of, it's trends and fads, and I see so many photographers that are running around in circles chasing their own tails, and they never really understand who they are. They never really understand what it is that they're doing, and all they're doing is kind of, they're trying to build a business on what's popular, and kind of, as I mentioned earlier, before we started recording, and this is the whole, as far as business is concerned, and it's kind of, everybody's trying to build this business, but they're kind of, they're not building the foundation and the foundation of a photography business is a good solid understanding of photography and your craft you know and if we just kind of if we follow the people um you've got to kind of evolve on your own and we follow other people and do other people do, do workshops and they follow trends and they just become like kind of pale copies of everything that's out there and it's so diluted that it's just boring. And I put a post up a while ago, which is like wedding photography is boring as fuck. And to me, most of it is. <laughs> and I think that's why, because everybody's just copying everybody rather than finding out the limitations of their equipment, their, their own limitations, uh, understanding their own relationship to photography. And I think the relationship to photography is one of the most important things because the stronger the relationship, then the better the photography is going to be. We, we understand where we are in the history of photography which is kind of somewhat short, really, in comparison to other art forms. Okay, so let's say Ian Weldon was running a workshop for wedding photographers. <laughs> right, okay. What would you be teaching? What would you be telling me to go and do in that workshop to get better? 
I wouldn't be teaching wedding photography. It would be photography. I mean, I'm a, um, a lecturer on history of photography at Sydney of Sunderland College. It's only three hours a week, but I don't teach any type of photography. What I get across is the history of photography and how photographers worked, how photography developed, kind of uh, the innovators, who was influenced by who. And within the whole scheme of what photography is, it's to try and find your own way. But people kind of just want, I think people want easy answers. There are no easy answers. You have to really understand what it is that you do and you have to understand your craft. And it's kind of, I suppose I can relate it to music in a way that kind of you have to understand music. You have to learn to be able to read music. You have to understand your skills. And if all you're ever doing is just copying songs and repeating chord patterns from other songs, then you're never really going to get anywhere. You're just going to be a poor copy of the thing um, that you're, well, the thing that you're copying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you understand your skills and you learn how to read music, then the world is your oyster, so to speak. You have so much more to draw from. And that's when yourself comes through. And I suppose if I was doing a workshop, then I would teach that kind of thing, which is kind of what I teach anyway, as far as my history of photography students are concerned. If I was to study history and the history of photography, you think that would affect my photography and the way I approach? Absolutely. How? We are, in some regards, the history of photography now. Because we've been such a, um, a new medium, we're still part of photography history and kind of uh, the way that I see it is where do we want to be placed within that, or, if at all. But understanding where it came from, how it was developed, why it was developed, understanding the practitioners, understanding the ideology of people like Southworth and Hawes, and portrait photographers, uh, daguerreotypes, and how they developed what they did and their understanding of photography and how that was intermingled with other things that were happening within history, like transcendentalists and their ideology, which formed kind of photography, but photography then kind of helped form other ideas. And it's this vehicle that's been going along for the last 170 years and it's so intertwined with many other things that within that we can find our own voice and our own understanding of what it is that we're trying to do rather than copying somebody else to then kind of be a, a really poor carbon copy of that we can take our inspiration from what photography is and then drive our own understanding from that okay i think i understand <laughs> i think i do i just yeah i don't know i just I think that the way that I shoot, and I'm sure other photographers are the same, possibly the listener, you know, we see so much photography on Instagram, on Facebook. Yeah. You can't help but be influenced by what you see. So the, I think the only way to do what you're saying is to get off all those social media platforms and then study the old photographers or study the history of photography. I wouldn't say kind of get off those platforms, but I mean, we must be able to take a step back from all of the stuff that's out there, you know, and it's kind of, I think the problem is, is a product of the industry is not really a free thinker. And I think that's what it comes down to. We need to transcend the commonplace garbage that culture provides for us, you know, and we need to kind of look above that or step above that and think about what it is that we want to do ourselves on a personal level. And it's kind of, again, using that music analogy, learn your skills, understand your skills, understand music, learn to read music. And I think that's kind of the same thing is understanding the history of photography. So we can draw, we can then, I don't know, produce through photography, our own experiences. We can put ourselves out there 
And I think we just need to pull away a little bit and stop being influenced by that. And I think when people are really influenced by what they see on Instagram and what they see on Facebook, it comes from a need to be popular really quickly. And you can't become popular really quickly. Well, you can, but you'll probably not be so popular really quickly as well. (laughs) You you know, it's kind of, we need to get over this kind of idea that we want everything now and there's a quick way to do it and the shortcuts. And with any art form, there are no shortcuts, man. You've got to put the work in and you have to study and you have to practice. And you know what? You're going to fail over and over again. And I've done it. I've done jobs where I've been told that you'll never work in this industry again because I've tried to do something different. And you have to do that. But people are kind of scared to fail. People don't want to put in the hard work, but they want the fame and fortune that comes with it. Have you ever had a failure at a, like at a wedding job? No, no, no. I think once I started shooting weddings the way that I wanted, it was, again, it's that making sure that people understood exactly what it is that I did and me understanding what I'm doing. And I suppose, I don't know whether you still have it, but I have people say to me, oh my God, I bet you're shitting yourself photographing a wedding. What if you mess it up? I'm not going to mess it up. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I get asked that. You know, it's kind of like, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm a professional. God damn it. You know? <laughs> but it's that kind of, no, I mean, there's things that I've tried that have failed. I've, you know, I mean, nothing too serious, but you have to be able to be prepared for failure and know that it, can you have to learn from that and then move on from that. And it can take years. I mean, I've been doing this now, like, well, I think 11 years in total being a photographer. I started as kind of, me interest was street photography and documentary photography, but I ended up in a studio and I was doing portraits and failed miserably at that. And I was never really very good at it, although that I thought that I was brilliant. And then kind of weddings, it's been five years and I kind of stumbled a little bit at the beginning until I found my feet and understand what it is that I had to say and what it is that I wanted to do. But no, you kind of have, you've just got to be persistent with it. And if you expect anything from photography, you kind of, you're expecting too much. Well, and people think that it's this idea is like, I'm going to be a wedding photographer. It's awesome. And it's super cool. And it's rad. And it's just, it really kind of, it bores me, to be honest. And they're not really photographers. And I've said this in posts that I've put up and I've had a lot of well, good feedback and negative feedback from it. And it comes down to the point like this might sound like all like Zen masterish and things like that. But to become a photographer, first, you really have to become a photographer. (laughs) I think I know what you mean. You got to know how to use that box. Is that what you mean? And understand light. Yeah, we kind of. And yeah, I suppose you have to have a bit of experience as you have to kind of, but you have to understand the philosophy of photography, I think, and the history of photography. And I know that I keep going back to that, but that was a huge turning point in my photography career because I used to get upset when people didn't like my work. I was jealous of other people's work and they're jealous of other people's success. And once I started to understand photography, the ego kind of, it kind of stripped the ego away somewhat because I knew that it wasn't about everybody else. It was about what it is that I had to do and what it is that I had to say and how I was going to do it. That's the part that interests me. That's the part that I want to hear. So you went through those same feelings that every other photographer feels. I'm sure everyone does. That that jealousy of success, yeah, absolutely. that want of success, You know, seeing other images that sort of blow you away at the time. Surely you just didn't wake up one day and said, I'm going to study the history of photography. No, no, no. I think it came from my want to be better and wanting more and wanting to understand more and kind of how do I make myself better? And then it was, the same, I suppose, the same as everybody else. It was YouTube videos. It was like blogs. And the more that I read into that kind of stuff, the more it was, it seemed empty. And the more that I realized that most of that stuff was just trying to sell me shit that I didn't need. 
Oh, and it was kind of like, where do I go from here? And then just through an interest in photography, started reading about photographers, started having it like the same way as I did with music when I was younger. It was kind of, oh, I like this artist. And oh, who were they influenced by? And which other artists are like this? And do you know, and then it went back and back and back and it always goes back to the blues, so to speak. Well, so it's kind of, it's kind of the same with photography and it all goes back to the daguerreotype and the color type and you know and kind of how they were developed and the problems that they overcame and you know and it just becoming interested in that give me more of an understanding of what it is that i was doing and what photography was because photography isn't what most people think is kind of it's this cool thing that's going to make me super popular and awesome and i'm going to have the best time in the whole world and it's just not that you know and it helped me understand what it is that I was doing. And the more that I understood that, the more that I wanted to learn. And I found that by doing that, I was shooting images that I wanted to shoot rather than trying to copy other people and trying to make these images that I thought were real photography or what I was told was real photography. All right. And a few times already today, you've said, you know, I worked out what I wanted to try and say or what I'm trying to say with my photography. What is that? What are you trying to say? I'm not quite sure I understand that myself yet, but I know that I'm working towards that. And I know that it comes from an honesty and a truth rather than something that I'm trying to, I'm not trying to fabricate an idea of what I think I'm trying to say. I'm heading in the right direction, I believe. And that is helped by my kind of study and my practice and reading more about photography. It's a lifelong thing. It's not something that's going to be um, all done and dusted within two years and that's it. I'm going to be flying off all over the world photographing beautiful models on beaches. You know, it's, kind of, it's not like that. And it's the same as like music. It's the same as, I suppose, language as well. When we first learn to talk, we can start with a few words, then we can string them into sentences, then we can kind of we can form ideas and then we can have conversations, but that kind of thing goes on until the end of your life. And photography for me is very much the same. What about when you're picking photos? So, you know, you go, you've photographed a wedding or you've done a shoot, whatever. Do you only shoot documentary style or do you do other stuff as well? At a wedding. Like, do you shoot portraits? Do you shoot commercial work? Do you do other stuff? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the odd bit of commercial work. I've just done a job for uh, Sandman Signature Hotels over at um, Newcastle and their restaurant. So it was interiors and food photography, and I really enjoy shooting interiors. Hang on, so that's not the same style as your wedding photography then, is it, surely? No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I kind of, there's, I don't know, there's this whole idea that, I mean, we look at like Ezra Stoller or uh, Julia Shulman as far as their architectural photography is interior photography, and that is as good, like as different from architectural photography as my wedding photography is away from wedding photography. So there's always a kind of scope that you don't have to just shoot it the way that it's done. Um, Commercial job that I've just done, there was a kind of a set criteria that had to be met. And again, it's just, I enjoy the technical aspect of it, the lighting and all of that kind of thing. But that also, I suppose, gives me more resources to pull on when I'm shooting wedding photography, when I'm doing documentary style stuff, because aspects from the interior stuff might kind of then fall into what I'm shooting. Aspects from the food photography shoot that I did could fall into the way that I photograph something while I'm at a wedding. So it's these kind of these skills that are, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess they play off each other, don't they? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I don't do a great deal of that, but when I get asked to do it, I'm happy to do it. 
And portraits, now and again, yes, but only when I get asked to do it. I don't actively advertise that kind of stuff. But I'm quite happy if I can go out and earn some money with my camera. It's great. Nice. Okay. Well, let's stick with your wedding photography then because, you know, the stuff that I see that you're putting out there, do you come back from a wedding, go through all your photos and think, yep, I like that one, I like that one, I like that one, these are going to go into my portfolio or is there a different process for you? Like, do you know when you see a shot that you love instantly? That's a difficult one. Sometimes, yes. But again, sometimes I'll see an image and I'll think it's great and then after a while I kind of go, oh, why did I pick that one? Oh, but some images, there's something that I recently posted, like some images I'll take and I don't understand the image itself until I understand more about photography. So it could be a couple of years down the line that I kind of go, oh, now I get it. You know? And I suppose when I'm shooting, it's kind of a subconscious thing that I'm doing. And in the same way that like a racing driver is not thinking about driving, he's only thinking about how to drive faster. I'm really only thinking about how to make better images. And sometimes in that situation, I won't see the image until I actually see it on the screen. Okay, so then do you not delete anything in case you might like it later? Yeah, I mean, there are images that definitely get trashed. But, I mean, once I've finished a wedding, I come home and I upload everything. And while it's uploading, I'll just kind of have a, I'll have a quick look at them and maybe just kind of take out anything that's just no good at all. And usually I'll leave them for two weeks and don't look at them at all. The whole wedding, just put it aside. The whole wedding, don't look at it. Don't even entertain looking at it. Why? I do that to take myself away from any emotion that I had at the wedding and I'll forget certain aspects of the wedding because I've shot other weddings. And the thing is, it's kind of that guy who I was talking to that, that I had a really great conversation with, that photograph of him might not be a great photograph. I might have just think it was because he was a nice guy. So I have to kind of take a step back from it and distance myself from the wedding somewhat. So and then I can make a judgment on the photography rather than the relationships that I had with the people while I was there. I'd leave it six months if I could, but I don't really think the, uh, the client's <laughs> going to be happy about that. How would you feel about judging someone else's photography or critiquing someone else's photography? You know, I've been asked about this a few times, but it all comes back to the, the idea that it's kind of I would be, it would be my eye that I would be looking at it with. And before you know it, I could be influencing another photographer to shoot the way that I shoot or see the things that I see. And I think that could be kind of, detrimental to their progress for me to say well i really like this and then to go all right well if you like that then i must like it or if that's the way that you see it then i must see it that way and i'm not sure that me kind of i'm telling people i can say it's a good photograph but again it comes down to the whole you know i could kind of ruin somebody's progression if that makes sense what are your thoughts on photography awards (laughs) 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 you know it's (laughs) I've never been a fan. I just don't see the point in sending my images for somebody else to have a look at or a group of people to have a look at and for them to argue over which one's best. And then if you put that one through, then I'll say yes to that one. And when it comes down to the end, it doesn't really make any difference. What I do, I'm not doing it to win awards. I'm not doing it to be popular. I'm not doing it to be everybody's friend. I'm not doing it to be part of the cool gang. I'm photographing for me as a photographer, and I'm making images solely for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we get into your gear and your technique, just talk me through the psychology that you're going through or the headspace you're in when you're turning up to a wedding. So you're about to walk into the guy's house. They're getting ready before the wedding. 
Are you excited? Are you nervous? Well, talk me through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nervous every time. Every time nervous. Really? You're still nervous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I always get that kind of, that little flutter before I kind of, and I'm getting everything ready and I'm making sure that I have all, all my batteries are there, all of my batteries, considering I use Fuji. And yeah, of course I do. I still get it. I still want to do my best, not just for me, but for the couple that I'm working for. And I still get the Although that it's never happened, I hope I don't fuck this up and make a complete mess of it. You know, maybe something will go horribly wrong and I'm a failure and I've always been a failure. Of course, I kind of get that. Maybe not to that extent, though. But you get that little bit of nervousness and you kind of check your gear four times to make sure it's all there. And I've already spoken to the couple on numerous occasions and we've already probably had a couple of pints together. So that eases the kind of cold stranger with a camera going into the house on the morning. So we'll kind of figure out what time I need to be there, what time is the best for me to be there. And then I just kind of turn up and I just hang around, really. And I think getting there on a morning helps me to feel how it's like, I don't know, like street photography, the street, as corny as it sounds, has a kind of flow and you have to get onto that. And I think it's the same with weddings and all weddings and people and groups of people have different kind of flows and different kind of energy. And you have to kind of get synced with that somewhat and get people used to you being there. So me being there on a morning is usually more about that, me feeling how other people are feeling and kind of just going along with that kind of flow. Okay. So I imagine with the way that you approach wedding photography that – you know, you might have the couple that have booked you, they understand the way you shoot, they've booked you for that reason. You turn up to the guy's house and his mother's there and she's, Ian, can you get a photo with my son and I? Can you do this? Can you photograph that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? I do, I, absolutely. Can I have a picture with me and my son on his wedding day? Yeah, of course you can. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so you haven't got the groom there saying, mum, 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 he doesn't shoot like that. You just do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, sometimes there have been uh, people who've tried to orchestrate little photo shoots, like grandparents or parents or whatever, aunties and uncles. But that's just their idea of what wedding photography is. Yeah, and you would see a lot of that because that's what most people are used to. Yeah, not too much. I think the bride and groom are pretty good at qualifying their guests and family members when they boot me and said, just let him work, let him do his thing and let him crack on. And I, <laughs> but I have, it's funny though, because I have people who go, can I get a picture of me and you or me and um, auntie somebody? So I go to take the picture and then some other auntie will come over and go, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do it. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. It's fine. I'm here. I'm quite happy to do it. You know? But that photo you take, so look, I imagine you're walking around, you've got your wide angle lens on, you're in close. So are you going to shoot that portrait in your style or are you going to shoot what they want, what they're expecting? No, no, I'm going to shoot. I'm not going to start switching lenses and doing that kind of thing. I'll do it and just move on, really. That's kind of, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as I said, some people have tried to organize kind of people in photo shoots, but when that happens, there's always like 20 other people there with cameras. And it's like, okay, well, just, you can just get on with it. And then the people come over and go, no, he's not doing that. You're not allowed to do that. And, <laughs> but yeah, it never goes any longer than maybe two or three shots. You know, but if a couple of people want to portrait together, I'm quite happy to do that. But I'm not going to change the way that I shoot to shoot that portrait, if that makes sense. Okay, so you're going to shoot that in your normal style with the lens you've got on, the flash settings you've got, bang, shoot it yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With your photography, do you add grain? Yes. Okay, so you're doing that sort of stuff in post. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I have a color process that when I upload everything to Lightroom, that's added. So the images are kind of ready 
anything that would make a great black and white or if I saw it as a black and white when I shot it then that'll be a black and white image or anything that I think will make a great black and white ends up as a black and white image. Okay, so you're shooting in colour but you're still making a lot of them black and white in post. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're not shooting in black and white? No. Talk to me about your gear because the last I heard you were going to be trying to shoot this season with one camera, one body and one lens. Yes, I was. But, I mean, kind of, do you know what? I've got me X-Pro2, which is a fabulous camera, but they've kind of made it, like, really nice. And I put a post up the other day. Oh, there's a thing as well. People, all the Fuji gang are really kind of getting on me back about, well, why don't you like the camera? What's wrong with it? Why aren't you? Well, you could use that. If you didn't like that camera, then why don't you just go and use a different brand? It's like, well, guys, just calm down, you know? It's kind of, Fuji isn't your friend. Fuji is a camera manufacturer, you know? <laughs> but, anywho... I really prefer the feel of the X-Pro1, you know, because I spend so much time becoming accustomed to its kind of quirks and getting to learn how to use it. I feel like I kind of achieved something with it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now the X-Pro2's come along, and it's kind of, it's better built, it's got faster autofocus, everything works well, it's kind of, you know, it's a much easier camera to use, and I think in doing that, they've taken the magic out of the camera somewhat. So will you stick with it? Oh, I don't. I, I think I'm going to have to. Uh, I'll push through. But I did go with the... <laughs> You'll push through with a better camera. <laughs> I know. I'll struggle up. Don't you worry about me, Andrew. I'll be fine. I'll struggle up. Yeah. And I bought the 23mm, but the thing is, it's twice the size of the 18mm that I use and kind of twice as heavy, and it's starting to take away the whole kind of a compact camera system thing. It's like now I've got this big heavy lens and I've got an X-Pro2, which is heavier than the X-Pro1. It's kind of, hang on a minute, I'm slowly getting back to the weight of a digital SLR, which is why I kind of went to Fuji in the first place. So I think maybe I've already shot a wedding. I didn't use the 23 that much because, again, it was like it's a big lens and it was it's kind of people can see, oh, that's a big fancy lens, you know, or it's more big and fancy than the 18mm is. So I kind of reverted back to the 18mm quite a lot. And to be honest, I think... I'm just going to stick with the X42 and the 18 millimeter. Right. So just tell me the reason you're changing back to the 18 millimeter is because the way the guests perceive you with the camera, or because of the physical weight. It's just a tiny bit of the way the guests perceive me with the camera, and mostly the weight, and just the kind, of, just the weight and size. I mean, in comparison to a Canon. 35 millimeter 1.4 or whatever it's small but in comparison to my 18 millimeter it's kind of twice the size you know and i really i'm so used to the field of view and the framing with that 18 millimeter or 27 i think the equivalent is that it's just kind of i just like the way that it looks i like the way that i can work with it i know how things are going to look before i kind of push the shutter button i suppose that would happen with the 23 but i don't think for the extra weight and size it's given me anything more than the 18mm does. Right, okay. What was the reason that you even contemplated shooting the season with one body, one lens? Uh, challenge, more than anything else. I mean, to be honest, though, last year, mostly, I shot nearly, I would say, 80 to 90% of everything with the X-Pro1 and the 18mm. And I just kind of thought, well, oh, 23, go back to that. Like years ago, I liked the 35mm kind of focal length. I thought... X-Pro2 upgrade, I'll go for that 1.4, 23mm lens, and that's it. I'm just going to use that. But kind of slightly disappointed with both of them, although they're much better than the kit that I was using, if that means. <laughs> yeah, it's, kind of, it's too good. I don't like it. I knew this would be interesting, hey? The first photographer that doesn't like his gear because it got better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just got all stuck in my ways. 
So what about your flash technique? What are you doing there? Because a lot of your shots are shot with flash. Yes. On camera or off camera? A bit of both. That guy who left me that awesome feedback <laughs> was criticizing my flash technique or lack of it. It's like, all right, dude, yeah, whatever. But sometimes off camera with a cord. Well, I would say most of the time off camera with a cord, all kind of Mark Cohen style. For those who don't know, what's Mark Cohen style? What do you mean? Oh, Mark Cohen's an old street photographer. Uh, have a look at a book called Dark Knees. I'll just check out Mark Cohen. Okay, so handheld on a cord. Handheld, kind of off to the side. Yeah, and as far as the technique goes, it's a flash. I'll set it to whatever it needs to be set at, usually about half. So not TTL? No, 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 no. And I'll control the flash output or input to the camera with the aperturing on the lens. So if I move away a little bit, I'll open the aperture. If I move a little bit closer, then I'll close down the aperture a little bit. Right. Pretty simple. Very simple. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy when you know how. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So you get home from a wedding, you upload your photos, you might pick a few good ones, you're deleting your duds. And is that when you're converting to black and white or are you waiting this couple of weeks before you do that? Yeah, I waited a couple of weeks to give myself a little bit of distance or distance myself from the wedding, any emotional attachment. And then I'll kind of, I'll run through them as in survey mode in Lightroom. So I'll select six images and bang them all up on screen. And I use um, the, what do you call the ratings in Lightroom, but I don't use them as one is worst and five is best. Because once you start getting around the three or four mark, it's kind of what images are three and what images are four. I use the rating systems and assign the stars to specific types of images. So anything that's unrated is a keeper. If I rate anything one, it's a, what you call it, I don't want it. A dud. A dud, a reject, that's what you call it, yeah, a dud. So if I set my Lightroom filter to unrated images, then when I've got six images up on screen and I select one and hit the number one key, then it just removes it because it's not showing me anything that's rated. So I can kind of start, I can filter out like that. So anything up to, I don't know, 1,200 images maybe, and I can kind of whip through them and take out anything. I suppose if it doesn't catch my eye straight away, then I kind of just get rid of it. I've got pretty good at scanning a set of images to find out as far as content's concerned, composition, my kind of style, how I like images to look. And in time, that becomes like a pretty quick thing. I can just go, yes, no, 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 yes, 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 no, 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 and then select the next images. And go through that pretty quickly. And once that's done, then I can go back to the start and just click through the images one at a time. And I can remove images from there or I can shift to black and white. And I use, what do you call it, visco keys to map the keyboard so I can do it in a full screen mode and I can just click through any adjustments, slight adjustments that I need to make can all be done with keys on the keyboard. So I'm not really touching the mouse. Yeah, and once I've gone through that process, I've pretty much got the final cut. Okay, so in that process, you're creating black and whites from the colors if you want to. Yes. You're doing exposure adjustments. You're adding a grain. That all happens in that one sweep through. Um, the, grain, the grain and the color process is added as the images have been imported. Right, okay, with that original preset. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay, cool. So I kind of, I can, if I don't procrastinate and have to walk the dog and kind of, you know, I can probably do it in maybe four and a half hours or something like that. Okay. What are you shooting at a wedding? How many photos, roughly? 1,200-ish, maybe. And sometimes it's under 1,000, sometimes it's about 1,200. It all depends on how busy the day is. 
And this is another thing is kind of when photographers say, you will get 800 images. Well, how do you know you're going to get 800 images? 800 images of what? Well, and I tell my clients that I don't know how many images they're going to get, but they're going to get the best of what I shoot. They tell the story best of the day. And so, yeah, and they can end up with anything from 400 to 600 out of that. And what about for yourself? Do you print anything for yourself? Or is this everything you do for the client? Everything I do is for the client. I keep them. But hang on, you're so passionate about photography. I mean, I've talked to you for an hour about how much you love photography and the history and where you're going and what you want to say, but you don't print it. You don't keep anything for yourself. I keep all, <laughs> well, I don't print them. That's kind of, I find it, I suppose it's somewhat creepy to have other people's wedding photographs on my wall. I'll print, <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a client the other day and I said, I'll keep your images forever. And she went, oh, that's a bit creepy. <laughs> went, no, 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 not that creepy. I'm not going to have books printed out. And I'm not going to read them on an evening before I go to bed, you know, so it's not like that. But I have this, I see it as, that's my body of work on my main body. Of work. But that's what I mean. So at the end of the day, you know, in 20 years time, Will you have a legacy? Will you be able to leave something behind your best of the best? Oh, what is a legacy, though? You know, I don't suppose I'm kind of in control of if I leave a legacy or anything like that. That will be determined after I've gone. And again, I'm not shooting to leave something behind. I'm kind of, although more, it's kind of shooting for me. Okay, then what about in 20 years' time? Wouldn't you like to have a book of what you consider your best images? Oh, Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I have thought about it, thought about putting a boot together, like this is not wedding photography as a working title. <laughs> and, but yeah, I don't know as far as that goes. But I do shoot a lot of my own stuff. I shoot my own kind of street stuff and I have a camera with me pretty much all the time. So it's not just weddings that I photograph. I'm always doing other things, you know, and I kind of have like thousands of pictures of my dog. but no and kind of street stuff and landscape stuff and architectural stuff and yeah that's all my own kind of personal work none of those are printed though they're just on your hard drive Uh, i've got a couple up on the walls in the house okay cool so you do some printing but just not a lot yeah 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 absolutely and i do the odd kind of print exchange with other photographers that i've done with so it's kind of they get a print of mine i get a print of theirs so i have a little gallery of other people's work as well have you got a favourite image that you've shot? I've got quite a few. I don't think I could uh, pick one out as a favourite. I don't know. That's kind of put me on the spot a little bit. If I say to you, tell me about one of your favourite images, which one comes to mind? You must have something that sort of pops up. I think it's the one that seems to be a very popular image is the one of the young girl pulling the funny face. There's a woman in blue on the left of the frame there's a woman with a red jacket so you kind of have the red the blue and the green of the grass and you have a young girl a bridesmaid not a bridesmaid younger than that flower girl flower girl that's what you call see, I, I, <laughs> in australia we do i see i get it all the time people say which side does the buttonhole go in i don't know <laughs> i don't know you know and she's having her kind of shawl thing buttoned up and she's just pulling a funny face all right so you said that's popular but is that a favorite of yours kind of i think that image was, once I started to change what it is that I was doing as far as wedding photography was concerned, that kind of stood out for me. And it was like, right, I need to start looking for these moments more. I need to be kind of anticipating this stuff. I need to get closer. I need to be, I need to be more involved as far as my kind of interaction with other people rather than just standing off with a 200 millimeter lens or using a 70 to well, a 2470 lens to kind of zoom in and out. I need to be kind of there. And without me, kind of doing that kind of thing. I wouldn't have got that shot. And there are many other shots that I wouldn't have got either. 
I think that as much as invisible as I am as a professional photographer, I'm really kind of um, talking to people and I'm kind of involved more as a guest. Okay, so when you're shooting in that style, so you're talking to a guest, you're up close. Yeah. Are you lifting the camera to your eye and taking those shots? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. So, um, other times I'll kind of, I don't know, because people are used to me walking around with the camera and it's not like I'm not in your face, I can take a few shots or take a shot and then talk to them for a while. And they go, all right, well, and usually it's about the camera or kind of what's going on and kind of do you shoot weddings? Is this your real job kind of thing? (laughs) You know, we all get this. But, yeah, I mean, from that image up until maybe a more recent image, which is it's basically the whole frame is nearly filled with a hand and you can just see an eye poking through one of the spaces between the fingers. And it's that idea that I'm just kind of there and I'm kind of – not really having a laugh and being all jovial and things, but just kind of being there and being somewhat part of the day, that people, I can have a little bit of fun with people. And when I put the camera up and lifted the flash, uh, she just put a hand up and that kind of, that image was created from it, which I suppose that's one of my favourite images. If we look at when everything, everything comes together, you know, and all of your kind of understanding and your work and your practice and your persistence and everything that works from that point of view, it all kind of comes together and it's go, that's the thing, that's what I'm trying to get. Nice. We'll include both those images in the show notes. And one of my favourites is the one where the couple are kissing in the background at the reception. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic shot. I yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love that it. Is a great, and again, that's a case of just kind of getting in there and getting in close and trying to make the picture because the bride was, she was just sitting down. And when I took the I didn't actually see them in the background until I saw the image afterwards on screen. It's this case of make the picture, always make the picture. Right. And for the listener, the couple in the background are two guests at the wedding, the bride's in the foreground, and they are, they are going for it with this kiss. <laughs> I think she's actually holding his tie and pulling him in. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Getting right in there. That's what that is. I love it. <laughs> Mate, just to finish off, have you got a favorite photographer that inspires you? What, a new photographer or any photographer? Any, anyone. Could be someone that, you know, someone old, maybe someone that the listener hasn't heard of. Right. Well, I suppose most people have heard of Winogrand, Gary Winogrand. He's a kind of huge inspiration as far as his ideology on the way that he shoots. And he's like, it's not about the gear, it's about the photography. And that's all it's about, really. And kind of just, I think he was given this idea or he was given this title of the photographer, the, uh, what was it called? A snapshot aesthetic that he always kind of dismissed a little bit. You know? and, it's, um, and I think that's kind of what I'm after as well. It's, it's a snapshot aesthetic. I'm not after clean, bright, kind of perfectly exposed, perfectly lit kind of photographs because life isn't really like that. You know? And it's kind of, I, don't, I just want to get in there and make photographs. And I think Winogrand had the same kind of thing. It's just make photographs. I mean, if you look at photographers like Joe Merriwitz as well, and the way that he can articulate his thoughts on photography and his understanding about what it is that he's doing was a huge inspiration to me and what I'm doing and kind of like, yeah, that guy knows his shit, man. You know, and he can talk about it. And I think there's a problem today that people can't talk about photography because they don't really understand what photography is, they can talk about how super rad and how mind-blowing things are. And, you know, it's kind of that you're not really talking about the photography, you know, and you're not talking about what photography is. And there is this kind of, there's a discord. It seems somewhat empty that it's just, it's all kind of style and no substance. But what's the difference if you, like, say, let's say Gary Winogrand is an idol of yours, let's say, for want of a better word, and you study him, you read him, you look at his photos. Yeah. What's the difference if you then copy 
or take inspiration from the way he shoots and add that to your photography. What's the difference between that and then me copying Jerry Gahonis? Right. Okay. So I'm not looking at Winogrand as this one photographer. I'll take ideas from him. I'll take ideas from Ezra Stoller. I'll take ideas from Julia Shulman. I'll take people like Ed Templeton, Vivian Mayer, Walker Evans, and even writings by people like Susan Sontag and form your own ideas from that. Okay, but how is that different than me taking a little bit from Jerry Gahonis, your Vance, you know, Jonas Peterson, Sue Bryce, and adding those together? Right, okay. I see that as in the same way that if you learn to play a guitar and you're interested in heavy metal music and you listen to heavy metal music and you start playing heavy metal songs just nonstop, then the product of what you do is only heavy metal music and you have nothing else to draw from. So I use photographers. I don't see, um, I'm sure, Air Joao. Air Joao, Dimitrios. Oh, Joan. Yeah. Yeah, Joao. Yeah, I'm sure I've pronounced it right. He'll kill me if I haven't. <laughs> but like his idea that like, he's not a wedding photographer, he's just a photographer. You know? And inspiration has to come from all of photography rather than just this really kind of singular wedding photography. So if we're just taking inspiration from one time, we have really nothing more to draw on and we're just a product of wedding photography rather than a product of photography. Okay, what about if I take inspiration from a range of modern photographers across different genres? Okay, I don't see that as an issue, but it's also, are we really understanding what photography is by just kind of on a superficial level, just taking inspiration from the way that other people's images look? Photography is much deeper than the image. It's much more than visual. Well, I believe it is. You know? And, you know, I'm kind of, I get flack from people saying, well, these people are doing great work and that person's doing great work. That's great, but that's not what I'm promoting. You know, I can't be in my camp and then promote that. I'm not saying it's like the worst thing in the whole world. What I'm saying is like, I just want to do things a different way. I don't want to do it that way. And kind of, I find some of it a little bit boring. So uh, this is the way that I do it, you know, and I'm not kind of saying there's a huge market for that kind of stuff and let people have it. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it and it all should be banned and all the photographers should be hung or anything, you know, which is kind of from some of the feedback that I get, you'd think that's what I was saying. (laughs) It's a case of like, well, I promote this because I feel so strongly about the way that I do things. And I'm not saying that's 100% right. I just feel strongly that the path that I've taken to get to where I am today has helped me so much as far as my photography, confidence, relationships with people, my whole life in general, that it must be, it can be, and must be a benefit to somebody else. So I'll kind of shout that from the rooftops. I'm not going to say that the mediocre stuff that I don't like is great because I don't think it's great, if that makes sense. It does. Mate, I think that's a beautiful place to finish. I could talk to you for hours. I hope the listener enjoyed everything you had to share. I certainly had a ball, mate, chatting to you. Like I said, I could go on for hours and hours. So thank you, mate, again. Hey, no problem, Andrew. I'll catch up with you soon, mate. Sounds good. And thank you very much. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ian Weldon. Ian, if you're listening, again, mate, thanks so much for, for being the experimental guest the guinea pig for this style of interview as always it's great to hear thoughts and to talk to you mate so again thank you so much for you the listener i would love your feedback on this style of episode is this something you'd like to hear more of or is it purely business you want to hear from photo biz x honestly i'm happy to hear your thoughts your views either way whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing you can leave your comments in the show notes over at photo biz x episode 
You can leave your comments and your feedback in the show notes over at photobizx.com forward slash 166. And you'll also find in the show notes, there's some examples of Ian's work and links to anything and everything and any one that he mentioned in the episode as well. So all there in one place, easy to find, easy to go and check out where he gets his inspiration from and the kind of things that have helped shape Ian become the photographer and the person that he is. If you're worried about having something controversial written in the show notes, then by all means, feel free to email me. It's andrew at photobizx.com if you'd rather not have your comments or your thoughts out there in the public. To finish up, I just want to say a big thanks and a big shout-out to Joan de Medeiros from Portugal, a previous interview guest, and he was the inspiration or the, the catalyst for me to give this style of interview a go. He planted the seed quite a few months ago, and it's been on my mind since. And, you know, I thought I'd practice what I preach and just get in and give it a try and do it and uh, see, see what you think, see how I felt doing it, and then make a decision after that. It's uh, so often it's easy just to always overthink these things and, you know, turn them over in your head, wondering if they're going to work or if they won't work, if, if you're going to like the idea or if you're not going to like the idea because the podcast was built around business only. Uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, instead of second-guessing what you want, I'll put something out there, give it a try, and then get your feedback. But rest assured, the, the Photo Biz X podcast and the, the original format or the existing format will not be changing. I'll be back to you next week with a regular episode, a very cool episode, one I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. So yeah, that was a, a thanks to Joanne. <laughs> I do appreciate it, mate, and I do appreciate you. All right, please leave me some feedback. If you've got comments or questions for Ian, Use the show notes for them as well, photobizx.com forward slash 166, and I'll talk to you soon. Have an awesome week. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 